Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Amen. All right, let's uh, bow in a word of prayer and we'll have a devotional together in the Word. Lord, we thank you for this time and pray that you would guide us as we look into your scriptures and seek to be edified with the truth. If there's anyone here who does not know Christ, we do urgently pray for their salvation, that they would trust him, the one who gives us eternal life and the hope of salvation. We commit this time to you. Speak through me, Lord. Edify your church. We give you all the glory and we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, our devotional this morning is called Meditations on the Blessings of Liberty. Thanksgiving is a sacred day, but it is also a patriotic and a historical one. And we are the first nation ever to set aside an official holiday to thank God. And pardon me if I use a tissue here and there, I have a little bit of a cold or something going on, so I apologize. The preamble to the United States Constitution reads as follows. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. To ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Clearly, we put a high premium on liberty in our nation, especially during this time of year, as I said, a very patriotic holiday. But, here's my question, what are the blessings of liberty that are secured, and from where do they proceed? And here is our theme statement for this morning. Liberty is a uniquely Christian doctrine. God invented freedom. Liberty is God's design, and the security of it in all forms, in all forms, proceeds from the person and work of Jesus Christ. In short, liberty is God's very happy and good intention for mankind. Luke 4, Jesus says this when he enters the synagogue. He reads from the book of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, three things to be liberated from as we consider the blessings of liberty, which, the security of which is guaranteed in one of our founding documents, the Constitution. So, we should, as I said, know what those are and from where they come. Number one, sinner, be liberated from death. Be liberated from death. Christians, we are liberated from eternal death into eternal life because Christ pays our sin debt that we owe to God. Every man is a slave, born a slave to eternal death in order to pay for his sin. It is a debtor's prison. That is the just recompense, payback, that we owe to God for our rebellion. And ours is a pitiful and wretched existence as men in this fallen creation. In fact, Hebrews 2 says that Christ came to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. But the good news is that Jesus paid for the Christian sin on the cross. And our God is a debt-canceling God. That is great news. And we see this typified in the Old Testament law, Leviticus 25.10. 
consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land. Where is that inscribed in America? Come on, somebody. Where is that inscribed? Proclaim liberty throughout the land. On the what? Thank you, Rob. A plus for you. Extra, <laughs> civics extra credit. It's, on, it's inscribed on the Liberty Bell from Leviticus 25, uh, 2510. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return, here it is, to your family property and to your own clan. Every 50th year, the year of Jubilee, God commanded Israel to cancel all its debts. Jubilee. That is great news. This, then, is eternal freedom. This is eternal freedom. That is the liberty to live forever. In Christ, our jubilee, all our debt is canceled, and we are liberated from owing to God the eternal payment of punishment in hell for our sins. Our lives, our souls, our property, our inheritance, all lost in the garden, is returned to us in full and more. Is this not great news? This is freedom. No more chains. Number two, sinner, be liberated from sin. From sin. And, Christians, we are liberated from sin into obedience because Christ gives us a new nature with the new birth. Every man is a slave to the power of sin because he is governed by his own flesh. Not only does sin condemn us for the life to come, but it holds power over us in this life because of carnal impulses. We are slaves to sin, Romans 6. And what is the nature of this slavery? You want sin, and you abide in sin. You choose sin, and sin is your master. And goodness you are not free to do, nor can you, nor do you want to, because your whole self is restrained by the arresting power of your wicked impulses. You cannot do otherwise and are obliged to sin, Romans 7. But Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the new birth, gives us a new nature so that we can now obey. John 8, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Christ, I love these words from the famous hymn, breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner what? Free. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. So good. When we are born again and made spiritually alive in Christ, we have a new nature, 2 Corinthians 5, and now have the capacity to actually obey God willingly from the heart. Sin's mastery is broken, and we are free to do right, to do good, to do as we ought. This, then, is the freedom of righteousness. That is, the liberty to live a good life. Depravity need not be any longer the ruling principle of our lives, but rather righteousness. In fact, we become societies, listen now, we become societies only authentic instruments of righteousness and love, society's true philanthropists. We are the do-gooders of society, authentic and truly. A liberated Christian people restrain the impulse of evil in themselves as well as exercise a restraining influence in society. Like salt adding flavor to a meal, Christians flavor their homes, communities, neighborhoods, civilizations with the seasoning of goodwill. 
righteous conduct, charity, faithfulness, the practice of true religion and rightly ordered worship, and a whole host of other virtues and profitable enterprises that benefit and uplift the rest of mankind. In short, we do good, and that thwarts evil. And our goodness serves as a catalyst to bring others also to the saving knowledge of Jesus as we make his gospel very attractive. Titus 2, 1 Peter 2. Let the world see your good works. So, see, sinner, be liberated from eternal death. Sinner, be liberated from sin. Sinner, be liberated from a futile mind. I'm very excited about this part. <laughs> Remember, meditations on liberty. Where does it come from? What, are, what is liberty and where does it come from? Sinner, be liberated from a futile mind. Christians, we are liberated from a depraved mind into an enlightened mind. Because we learn the truth and we can worship God rightly. In other words, we can practice what is called, we just said it in the lyrics, I don't know if you noticed, to one of the hymns. We can practice true religion. Rather than idolatry, which is false religion. Every man is enslaved to a depraved mind that worships wickedly. Every man is enslaved to false religion, Romans 1.28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. Also in Romans 1, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Idolatry. This mind enslavement is idolatry and is manifest not only in vain worship, but also, listen now, in the prohibition of others from practicing true worship. Did you hear that? The prohibition of others from practicing worship. In other words, man rejects true religion, the worship of Yahweh, and compounds his guilt by preventing other men from seeking true religion. Wicked men compel other men into idolatry. This is the enslavement of the souls of men by lies heaped upon more lies. But Jesus enlightens the mind with the knowledge of his revealed truth, true religion. John 8, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know with the mind, you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. Christ brings in the light of truth, his word and the gospel, to liberate man from lies and confusion and idolatry. A man wakes up to true knowledge and he rejects the world's lies and then rightly orders his thinking and his worship. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed in the renewal of your mind. Think those lyrics from the famous Christmas carol, disperse the gloomy, gloomy clouds of night. It disperses all the confusion and darkness. And thus a man can prosper and thrive as God intended. Because Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Is the beginning of knowledge. This then is religious freedom. That is the liberty to worship Christ. 
To be able to worship rightly and practice true religion with an enlightened mind. This is, now listen, these are loaded terms. This is spiritual freedom. This is intellectual freedom. This is freedom of the mind. Freedom from ignorance and disorderly thinking. Freedom of conscience from the wicked compulsion by evil men to practice futile idolatry. I'll say that again. This is freedom of conscience from the wicked compulsion by evil men to practice futile idolatry. Now, whereas we usually conceive of religious liberty in its political sense, and in fact, it certainly is a virtuous political condition, highly to be sought after, I am pointing out that religious liberty, properly understood, is first and foremost a spiritual condition. One that proceeds from Christ's liberating work and word, political religious liberty, which is very good, flows out of that. Now, where do we see the privilege and the call to religious freedom in the Bible? In the Ten Commandments, of course. The Ten Commandments say this to us. Be no longer enslaved to a depraved and idolatrous mind, but rather worship Yahweh. Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And of course, Christ is our Sabbath. Our rest is in the gospel. That is religious liberty. Now the world, being enslaved, is necessarily opposed to the worship of Yahweh. Yes, the world's opposed to it. They're opposed to religious liberty. Yet, it is a virtuous enterprise, and it is the fruit of an enlightened Christian mind. When Christian men enshrine this freedom to practice true religion, freedom of conscience within their civilization, in their laws, in their society, in their civil institutions, when they cement religious freedom in their society, that is the permission to worship God and practice true religion absent the harassment and molestation of wicked men who seek to abolish true religion and compel men into idolatry. Hence, why our Puritan forebears, the pilgrims, sought refuge on these shores. Oh, isn't the gospel good? Liberating. Further, it is a wicked enterprise and the fruit of a depraved pagan mind that keeps men without religious freedom under the oppression of spiritual ignorance and darkness. This is religious enslavement, thought control, and it is the most profane and brutal of all oppression, keeping men from the true knowledge of God. Consider for a moment human regimes hostile to Christianity and religious liberty. Places like Iran, China, North Korea. Unchecked evil and bondage is the ruling principle. Perpetual misery is the experience and the human mind is stifled. On the other hand, consider governments permissive of true religion, like our republic, where religious liberty yields human flourishing. Evil restrained and subsequent freedom is the ruling principle. Civil rights and dignity of the individual is the experience and the human mind prospers. Because religious liberty, listen now, is a mind enlightened with God's truth, it is the fountainhead from which flows all freedom and all prosperity for mankind. It is the first and foundational of all other liberties that men may enjoy, whether self-government or the freedom of speech or press or assembly or property rights, the fruit of our labor, ingenuity, creativity. It is the fountainhead of all liberty. Indeed, it is for this virtuous purpose then that Christian men covenant together in the civil body politic. 
First and foremost, above all else, to secure the supreme freedom that precedes all other freedoms, religious liberty. And such a purpose is manifest in those famous words that served as the seed of religious liberty for our civilization in the new world. And I'm going to read them because they're wonderful and sublime. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord, King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith. What am I reading? The Mayflower Compact. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one of another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, the propagation of the gospel. And by virtue hereof to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices from time to time as shall be thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony, under which we promise all due submission and obedience and witness whereof we have hereunder subscribed our names at Cape Cod the 11th of November in the year of the reign of our sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland, the 18th and of Scotland, the 40, 54th, Anno Domino, 1620. Religious liberty. So back to our thesis that liberty is a uniquely Christian doctrine proceeding in all its forms from the person and work of Christ. In Christ, we are liberated from eternal death, sin's power, and a depraved mind. Said positively, these are the blessings of liberty secured to us, eternal life, righteous living, an enlightened mind that knows and practices truth. On Thanksgiving, we are thankful for liberty that begins in Christ, and we are thankful for the manifold blessings of liberty secured to us in this free nation with which God has blessed us, the first and foremost, the freedom of religion to worship God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for liberty in Christ that we are set free from eternal death, the power of sin, and to the enslavement of the mind. That is the general trend of humanity from the beginning. Thank you, Lord, that you have liberated us in Christ. You've given us political liberty in this nation. And because of that, we declare freely and openly the good news of Jesus Christ in this gospel. We love you and we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.